Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we provide the hottest takes on the internet's coldest news stories. I'm Matt Heron. I'm Jeff. I'm Louise Aaron. It's November. We've done it. We've yep. we've passed across the veil of Halloween into the warm, loving embrace of the real holidays. Yep, mm-hmm. we've all we all died on Halloween, and now mm-hmm. the beautiful afterlife. A feast. Mm-hmm. Now we're being showed what the world would have been like if we'd never been born, a la Christmas. I want to yeah. live, damn it. Yeah. He doesn't say damn it, does he? <sighs> he might. I think he might. Does he? Wait, hold on. I'm trying to think of the things he yells in anger. Yeah. Uh, you silly, stupid old man. <laughs> Where'd you put that money, you silly, stupid old fool? Yeah. Out, out you fairies go through the window. <laughs> pixies? Does he call them pixies or fairies? Anyway, I do like I do like meeting somebody who's like I'm a I'm a real angel and being like yeah okay whatever Tinkerbell. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was what like 1948 or something. Yeah, forty seven. Right yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember I came to appreciate it because I took a college class that was it was a film studies course that was called like the 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 lens through which we were studying film was like masculinity post world war II america mm. um and that was like the first one we watched and was like oh yeah this is actually a good movie cool yeah the thing about it is i don't i understand the time at which it takes place makes it this way but i don't know that it's a great christmas movie it's just a good movie yeah people didn't like it when it first came out the it's only... true, that's why it became so popular, because they could people could buy the rights for cheap because it was such a flop. Exactly. That's what I I I like when that ha- when that type of thing happens. Yeah. yeah. Like probably Night of the Living Dead would not have had such a huge monumental impact on horror movies if not for the fact that the person who did the credits f- accidentally messed up and the movie went into the public domain. It's wild that that can happen, right? <laughs> It's, like, it, it, like, they closed that loophole, I think, like, three years after that movie came yeah. out. But, like, you had to declare that something was copyrighted before, and since I, 1972, it's automatic. I guess maybe they just weren't rich enough, because I feel like if you're rich enough, there's no such thing as a loophole. You could just be like, no, no, we meant to do this, this is just a simple mistake, and we're gonna fix it now, and everyone's gonna I bet agree. if you paid... If you paid a lawyer enough, they could make enough of a headache for the patent courts that they would be like, fine, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I've just discovered, um, in my memories, because I knew it already, um, (laughs) one of the actors in It's a Wonderful Life is a crow named Jimmy. Yeah. um, (laughs) Who is in 1,000 movies. Yeah. Yeah. He's very good. That rocks. He's a much better actor than Uncle Billy or whatever the guy's name is that he is his scene partner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he's acting circles around that stupid silly old fool. Yeah. Stupid silly old man. Man, I think. Mm. I fucking hate Uncle Billy. I know that people yeah. like him, but I cannot stand him. Yeah. It's so crazy that the central conflict of the movie ends up just going unresolved. Yeah. I like that. That's that's part of what I think makes it a great movie. Yeah, because yeah, in real life, it's not like uh, there would be some wonderful catharsis where Potter really gets what's coming to him. That would never happen in real life, so it does yeah, make sense true. that way. In real life, rich people do just rob you, and the only thing you can rely on is the kindness of your friends and family. Yep. yep. 
Ah, oh, what a delight. I I posted this in our friend's Discord, but there was a uh, magazine at Target the other day that was It's a Wonderful Life magazine. <laughs> yeah, and... that's, that's where I made my delightful little YouTube thumbnail in response. Yes, which was very good, and we all laughed about it. But I keep on dwelling on it in my mind like it's driving me to madness that somebody printed, somebody wrote content for this magazine then somebody printed it and then they put it on shelves in target yeah who could possibly be interested in buying it people for stocking stuffers maybe that sort of thing old people that sucks i do think that there's a weird and very bad industry of things that no one wants but look enough like christmas presents that you would buy them for your confused neighbors or whatever yeah that's very true when everyone should be buying each other cake we all want cake that's what i'm saying listen this magazine costs i don't know 12 dollars or whatever i you could make me a very good cake for 12 dollars and i'd much prefer that yeah Hmm. what kind of cake would you want to be made for 12 dollars i think you could make literally any cake for 12 dollars interesting Hmm. Butter is quite expensive, so it couldn't be a super buttery cake. I will say that's that. That's true. But a, a sponge cake is only usually like one stick of butter. Yeah. My favorite is devil's food, and I think you could do that for $12. Yeah. I like fruit cakes of all different kinds. Like, I like a lemon cake. I like a cake with raspberries in it, stuff like that. All those and weirdos that you're friends with. <laughs> yeah, all those fruit cakes. Um, and, uh, yeah, you could... I bet you could easily get all the stuff you need for that. Uh, the The most expensive part would be frosting, and I don't really like frosting that much. I just like the cake. Mm-hmm. So there you go. <sighs> now we know. What about you, Jeff? What's your dream $12 cake? My dream $12 cake. Uh, I wonder how many Little Debbie strawberry shortcake <laughs> rolls can I get for $12? <laughs> Probably a lot. Probably a lot. Yeah. Oh, man, those things are real delicious. Uh, no, I, I would... God, I don't know, like maybe like a like a cinnamony spiced cake with a cream mm. cheese frosting. Not yeah. necessarily carrot cake, but I do like carrot cake. I made last year for Christmas, I made a um a ginger cake, one of those like sticky ginger cakes that you can get that had uh stout beer in it and like real raw ginger and it was so spicy and it f- was fucking incredible <laughs> i made it with peppermint ice cream to go with it and it was so good sticky ginger cakes is the most beautiful phrase in the english language <laughs> How, do we have a christmas one already because i feel like sticky it's ginger, sticky cakes, ginger is a, cakes now is a pretty <laughs> good wi- winter one yeah now we just need spring i think we've got fall is dumpy pumpkins uh summer, summer was some wa- water slide thing some spaghetti kind of wa- water slide. Sp- spaghetti water slide <laughs> yes and now we've got sticky ginger cakes absolutely deranged yep what are we talking about when we get all four of them can we stop doing this show <laughs> then we have to continue actually oh each okay. day of the year gets one after that oh no we narrow it down to the month after we do the seasons yep <laughs> oh christ Matt, what have you been doing this week to survive? So, um, I have two things I want to talk about. First of all, this is probably going to be brief, because I feel like maybe, Jeff, you've talked about it before, but I've been playing a game 
um, that I think you might have played, Jeff. I know you haven't played it, Louisa, called Monster Sanctuary. I did play a bit of that, I think. That's the one that's like a Metroidvania where you catch Pokemon. Yeah, it's like Pokemon meets that one Castlevania game where you absorb monsters' powers. Right, yeah. Because what's cool about it is, it is a Pokemon, you are catching and collecting monsters, but all of the monsters that you have have different abilities that work in the overworld to help you with platforming, so like... There's an eagle that you can get and you can, like, grab onto him and he'll, like, let you glide for a little bit. Or, like, there's a yeti that'll punch through walls sometimes. Um, And it's pretty good. It's, like, a good little uh, sort of turn off your brain and just have fun jumping around this this pretty little world kind of game. That's nice. I like games like that. Yeah. Yeah. I played a bit of it when I was looking for... Trying to scratch that Pokemon itch, um, but it mm-hmm. didn't. It didn't quite do it for me. So, but I'm yeah, gonna revisit I, it at some point. I got it for free from Humble Bundle many months ago, and I tried it when I first got it, and I was like, eh, "That's fine." And then I just didn't think about it. But lately, I've just wanted something that I could be playing on the couch when I'm like, like done with the day, and I just want to relax into falling asleep. And uh, yeah, it's perfect for that. If you like platforming and you like Pokemon, it's a it's a good option. Nice. The yeah. other thing, oh, oh no, go ahead. The other thing I wanted to talk about is this past Wednesday, Tuesday was Halloween. Ooh, spooky! And it was my first Halloween in my new house. Uh, we are so I used to live in a townhouse in a little cul-de-sac right off of the like busy sort of shopping district in Marlton, New Jersey. I moved 10 minutes north into the Pine Barrens proper. We've got Jersey Devils all up in this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we had no idea what to expect. We're not that far from where we used to live, so we didn't know if that would mean we'd get more trick-or-treaters, what kind of Halloween celebrations would be going on. Um, the Starting the day before, for a couple of hours at twilight... There were very loud screams coming from somewhere in the woods. Oh no! Presumably, one of my neighbors had some kind of like Halloween um, murder sound effects thing going on. Huh. Did you say uh, murder, Jeff? Yeah, some kind of Halloween murder. <laughs> oh yeah, that is the time for it. Yeah, I I will say uh, I've like is there a crime that isn't easier to pull off on Halloween than any other day of the year? I was trying to think of one and I couldn't come up with one. I think this past uh, holiday that we just, uh, semi-holiday that we just underwent last night would be another good time. What happened last night? Oh, you mean daylight savings time? Yeah, the clock's turning back means there's an extra, uh, what is it, 1 o'clock a.m.? So you could be like, my time's accounted for at 1 o'clock a.m., but really only one of the 1 o'clock a.m.s. That's a good point. yeah. We all know that district attorneys cannot remember <laughs> that daylight savings time. No, exists. but if you're if you're like traveling and it's going by um, security cameras or like toll booths and stuff, if you're if you're able to use that correctly, I feel like that could work because there's no way they're all doing everything precisely and correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. There would be no way to verify which which uh, hour with the same numbering you were yeah. actually present somewhere. Oh, that's good. You should write a mystery about this, Jeff. I have been thinking about this for 
years and years. Um, I would bet money that there is some kind of thing in the legal system of like 1am alpha and 1am beta or something. Some way that they like track that. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I still think every crime would is easier to commit on Halloween. You've got a mask on and no one thinks it's weird. Anything's possible on Halloween. <laughs> yeah, you, you, your sister could turn into a bass guitar or whatever. <laughs> Just a bat. Uh, Nothing as complicated as that. There's a toad in a bass in a bass guitar. Yes, bass guitars don't have a an inside part. Uh, usually, you're blowing this song wide open. Yeah. Anyway, um, but so I wanted to be. I think I mentioned this last week that I wanted to be the house on the block that gives out full size candy bars. And I so I got three cases of full size candy bars so that I was like, we're going to be set. There's no chance we're going to run out. Mm-hmm. We did. <laughs> we basically ran out. Oh, um, yeah, I I was very surprised that, to find that we ended up having, I don't know, 20, 30 groups of kids show up trick or treating that night. I was so excited. And the thing that I really want to discuss with you guys is. The only thing left in the bottom of the cauldron of candy at the end of the night mm-hmm. were, you know, a couple odds and ends, tropical Skittles, that kind of thing. But, like, eight Snickers bars. Aha! Uh-huh. And I remember when I was a kid thinking, everyone thinks the default candy bar is Snickers, and I don't really like Snickers that much, so I must be the weird one. Mm-hmm. But... No one likes Snickers bars, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Like, I guess kids don't like Snickers bars, and maybe that means that everything's going to be okay. Like, maybe this generation <laughs> is smarter than our generation was. See, I also do not like Snickers, and I also had the same experience of everyone saying that's the gold standard of candy bars. Yeah. But I'm wondering if it's because... It seems like more kids have peanut allergies now, or maybe their siblings do, so they're told they're not. Mm, but my not Reese's to take. cups all went. Mm, okay, well, hmm. that, uh, Reese's cups have never met a peanut, not a real <laughs> one. <laughs> but if you had a peanut allergy, you still wouldn't take them. Is my is yeah. the point? Um, have you guys had that Snickers brownie thing? Ooh, what? No. <laughs> it sounds horrible. I think it's like a Snickers bar with like. Instead of nougat or whatever, it's got brownie in it, and it's pretty good. Oh. Mm. No, I, uh, I don't. I also don't like a Snickers particularly. I mean, Here's if, if I'm hungry, why wait? But in general, <laughs> yeah. I'll avoid it. Here's yeah. the thing that's so weird, though. I was reading about like what all the different candy bars are and how they relate to one another, mm-hmm. and someone described a Milky Way as a Snickers mm-hmm. without peanuts. Yeah, and like. On paper, that is true, right? Because it's nougat with caramel on top and then chocolate over it. And if you did a Snickers, it would be those things with a peanut. But the chewiness of the nougat in a Snickers is unsustainable. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I feel like the, the nougat in a Milky Way has like a like a pillowy texture. And the nougat in a Snickers is like taffy almost. Yeah. The peanuts do something to it, I bet. Maybe. I just think, whatever they're doing at Snickers, they're doing it all wrong. Yeah. Maybe, is this a thing where we all fell for the marketing? Like, 
they were like propagandizing Snickers, but no one has ever really liked Snickers. Is that possible? I feel like all my friends wanted the Snickers, though. So I don't know. Yeah, I remember people liking Snickers when I was young. But were these people all just softer willed than we were? Like they had convinced even (laughs) themselves that they liked Snickers because of the propaganda. Oh, boy. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. We are very special and immune to propaganda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it's, feels like... Well, not that immune, because until my 42nd year or whatever on Earth, I was like, well, yes, everyone loves Snickers, because that's what the propaganda told mm. me. It feels um, crazy that you would go for a Snickers when, like, a Baby Ruth is right there and it does all mm. the same stuff. Does it? What's in a Baby Ruth? Peanuts, milk chocolate, like a, caramel, and nougat. It's like a mm. cylinder, though. It's like a cylinder of nougat that's then rolled in peanuts. So you get a lot more peanuts. Oh. And I do think that that's better because if I'm going to have peanuts, I want to fucking have peanuts. I don't want right? one nut per yeah. bite, you know? Yeah, this is the problem with the Take 5 bar, which I love. It's maybe the best uh, modern candy bar that has a pretzel base, caramel, peanut butter, peanuts crushed up peanuts and then chocolate the trouble is that you get these little chunks of peanut but you're eating a crunchy pretzel so every time i'm like oh no did something chip off my tooth and no it's just a peanut (laughs) if only they didn't have peanuts the nougat just feels like filler to me for a snickers yes that is absolutely yes how do you feel about it in a milky way or a milky way midnight my other favorite candy bar I used or to... Three Musketeers, which is just mm. that with nothing else. <laughs> yeah. I was I was gonna say I used to really like Three Musketeers, but I feel like I want a more a more toothsome candy bar now. Mm-hmm. I gotta say though, I did have before Halloween like a real criminal. <laughs> I did try one of the Three Musketeers that was in my candy dish. They're still pretty good, you guys. Yeah, they're not bad. I mean, it's a little bit. Now that I'm an old man, it's a little too sweet for me, but, like, it's still pretty good. I like that extra caramel, I guess. I really prefer the uh, mm-hmm. Milky Way. Milky Way. Yeah. You know I what? mean, Milky Way, of those three, Milky Way, I think, is the best. Between Snickers, Three Musketeers, and um, Milky Way, I think Milky Way mm-hmm. takes it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the 100 Grand quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Does have nougat? Nice. No, it's a gooey caramel center, and yeah. then it's got, uh, like, Rice Krispies and chocolate oh, yeah. around it. Like I a like crunch bar wrapped around some caramel. Yeah. I do like that. <clears throat> it feels like one level up from the, like, true ancient poverty bars. <laughs> like your your Snickers or your Baby Ruth or your, uh, even Milky Way a little bit feels like it's a hundred years old. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Oh, it is. I... It was invented in 1923. <laughs> Oh, I'm mad happy that, birthday. <laughs> I'm mad that when I'm um, uh, browsing candy bars at the Wawa, they don't say on their label what's in them anymore. Like, you can look at ingredients, but they yeah. don't say on the front, like, hey, we're a tube of caramel with peanuts and chocolate. It doesn't give you any information. How am I supposed to remember all this stuff? I would wear a t-shirt that says that I'm a tube of caramel. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I aspire to be. Mm-hmm. I think my most controversial candy bar that I like okay. uh, is the cookies and cream bar. I was going to say the same thing! I like that one, yes! Ugh. Yes, everyone likes that one. Here's the thing, though. 
everyone hates white chocolate. Everyone is very open yeah. about how white chocolate sucks ass. It's basically like like chocolate adjacent confection. Yeah. Yeah. But like the cookies and cream bar is good as hell. <laughs> I think that maybe the three of us have very unusual candy tastes and we are taking a small sample size and being like, everyone doesn't like, like everyone wants to pretend they don't like white chocolate, but really it's great. Hmm. Yeah, you- I'm surprised people don't like white chocolate more because now, as we all know, commonly available white chocolate has no cocoa in it. So it's literally just vanilla and wax. But and Cocoa butter. It has to have cocoa butter in it. But, and I'm going to be extremely elitist now, the average American fucking loves just vanilla and uh, wax. Why don't hmm. they like white chocolate? It's... This is a thing that I've encountered a lot with, again, this is uh, anti-American, but we all hate America, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, every American person that I know who grew up on Hershey's chocolate thinks that their chocolate is better than good chocolate. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, there are so many people who are like, no, actually, Hershey's is the gold standard of chocolate. It's like, no, but I think that Americans assume that they know better than the rest of the world about a lot of things. And I think white chocolate might be one of them. Because white chocolate isn't universally hated everywhere outside of America, I don't think. Yeah, Mm. that's true. Um, Mm. Speaking of gold standard, have you ever had the Hershey's gold bar? I was just going to say, I think they've discontinued that because I love it, but you don't see it anywhere anymore. Was that the one with little toffee pieces in it? It had pretzel pieces in it. It's caramelized cream with uh, ground up pretzels and peanuts. Oh, that's right. Yeah. God, it was good. A little bit crusty. Yeah, it was good. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, so what? Uh, so we we did manage to go through all of our Halloween candy. Amazing. At one point, there was a group of kids who literally said "king size bars," and then they started descending like piranhas. And then one of them yelled, "You're the man." to me when he left pretty good that's all you wanted he was dressed like sean connery from finding forrester he was was dressed as some kind of some kind of new york yankee but i don't know which one Mm. (laughs) okay i feel like everyone's minecraft steve this year is that true (laughs) i saw a lot of very interesting ones like someone there was a group of like i don't know 14 year old girls and they were one was smurfette (laughs) Okay. One was uh, like a goth Victorian vampirist type lady. Nice. And one was just a banana. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. That's a and I was friend. like, you guys are you guys are showing that Halloween brings diverse groups together. <laughs> I love that. You know? Uh, so anyway, did you guys get a lot of trick-or-treaters? Uh, I was out of my home on Halloween mm. evening, so I got none. And I turned all my lights off to make sure I didn't get any. God, you guys, what's wrong with you? (laughs) I just wasn't home. I was busy. I cannot perform interest in children's activities well enough to be like, oh, and what are you? (laughs) That's great. I can't do that. You just have to cackle like a witch, say happy Halloween, and throw candy out the door. Yeah, Louisa, this is the one time that your misanthropy can Mm -hmm. aid you in interacting with children. Yeah, whipping candy bars at kids' heads from a two-foot distance. Yep. I do love when the kids ring the doorbell and then I 
answer it and have the the candy out for them and then in in the darkness away from the porch light i hear what do you say what do you say (laughs) and then the kids look panicked and i'm like i don't care if you say it kid (laughs) just take this candy yeah you're not gonna trick me if i don't give you this so don't Mm -hmm. don't lie we don't have to keep up the kayfabe yeah yep (laughs) how do you feel about this because i've seen some controversies around this the idea that this is something I agree with, so I'm going to present this this idea. I like as long as you're wearing a costume, I don't care how old you are to get candy. Yes, yes. I agree, completely okay. fine. Because a lot of and... parents are like, oh, "Don't worry, I'm not taking the candy for myself. I'm just holding it for my baby." It's like, fine, who cares? Your baby's not going to eat it. They don't know what's going on. You are getting <laughs> yeah. it for you. Stop lying <laughs> and... to yourself. I'm going to take this one step further. If you're a kid and not wearing a costume, that's fine, too. <laughs> All right. I like a costume. I think you should wear a costume if you're trick-or-treating, don't get me wrong. But if there's a group of kids and one of those kids is not wearing a costume, he can still have candy. Maybe he's wearing a costume of something I don't get. But it just looks like clothes to me. Maybe it's something like maybe it's something esoteric. That's fine. Yeah, he's definitely a Minecraft Steve. I think, it's, I think it's got to be... Like, the limit is, like, if I see a high school-aged kid who is trick-or-treating without a costume, I'm like, no. As piss, long as piss he's right with off. Pe- <laughs> if he's with people who are wearing costumes, I'll still be okay with it. I think I, I don't mind if they go through the proper, um... The, channels? The, the, social, the social agreement that we have. Saying trick-or-treat and thank yeah. you. If sometimes you see kids who are trying to be tough and they're like, uh, and they just like reach out their hand and you're like, you're not wearing a costume and you're 16 and you're being an asshole. Mm. You're trying to yeah. prove something. You're not trick yeah. Beg for me, teen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I saw, I had one kid come to my house who seemed to be dressed as the concept of Tetris. And yes. it was great. Okay. He was wearing like, uh, like a homemade shirt and pants that had like tetris blocks uh, pattern on it uh-huh. and i don't know what that costume was supposed to represent but i loved it also he was wearing a backpack that had that same pattern on it and he was putting his candy in the backpack this kid was doing everything right That's yeah great. i love this kid dressing up as tetris for halloween perfect yeah <laughs> i mean again it might be a reference to something i don't get but it just looked like tetris to me and i love that i like the yeah, thought that was... this is a kid whose special interest is tetris so hard that they have uh independently managed to acquire these clothes and backpack and then for halloween they're like finally i can be my true self tetris. <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> what if what if it's they were dressing up in the manner of their favorite youtube channel racist tetris no oh, man um, i think i have uh, okay this is <laughs> this is my privilege showing but yeah. i feel like if I am in a place where I'm pretty sure that there are some racists around, as long as they're not actively doing racist, I can't bother myself with worrying about it. Do you know what I mean? That is privilege. You're right. That's very privileged to say. I know. I do know that. But like, I was at the Halloween parade last weekend and there was a float for the no- local Republican Party and there were some people cheering for that float. Who were probably in racist costumes, and I was just like, I can't. If I if I'm uh, like on the active lookout for attacking racists in public, I'm never gonna get anything else done in life. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you gotta <sighs> prioritize. You gotta wait until the Mummers Parade to attack racists at a parade. Uh, uh, where yeah. That makes it easy. Then you can just yell at everybody in the Mummers Parade. That's yeah. true. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, uh, Jeff, what did you do this week? Oh, my alarm to record this podcast <laughs> just ringed. Ah, that's weird. Well, I just turned my phone back on because it died this oh, morning, and I didn't think that. And you thought the best time to do that would be during the recording of this podcast. I mean, I didn't think that it would ring the alarm forty-eight <laughs> minutes late. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I've been weirdly not playing very many video games or what? anything like that this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been. I just finished up watching Adventure Time with Fiona and Cake. Um, yeah, you talked about that last week. Yeah, I I just like I I double I double fisted I double dipped did a double feature of the finale the other morning. Mm-hmm. I'm like, forget it, doing it. Uh, nice, pretty good. Highly recommend if you enjoyed Adventure Time. Uh, this sequel uh, mini series. It's essentially the length of like a big action movie. There's 10 episodes at 23 minutes each or whatever. So it's like two and a half to three hours of content. Um, pretty good. Um, been catching up on Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, also, pretty good. Is that the cartoon uh, one? I can't keep track of them anymore. Yeah. yeah, that's the cartoon one. It's of them, the one that feels most Star Trekky in a lot of ways. Hmm, okay. Um, Strange New Worlds is Star Trekky, but it's got the continuity mess of being about like a guy we already know about in an era we're already familiar with, uh, mm. which you know not bad. Um, Discovery is very gets very high concept and weird at times. Um, this one is just like you know it takes place shortly after the TNG era series and. Uh, it's just about people star trekking across the stars, across the universe. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've been doing a lot of that. Been doing a lot of drawing. Um, I'm drawing our D and D party for our upcoming campaign, which I'm doing through Foundry. We could talk a little bit about Foundry. Um, is that a D and D resource or what? It is a um, virtual tabletop uh, software. Okay. In the vein of like Roll Twenty or something, yeah, I do know Roll Twenty. Um, yeah, but instead of it being hosted at Roll Twenty dot gov, uh, you download the software and install it on a computer that you want, um, or a remote server if you want, uh, and you're hosting it yourself, so you can put whatever the hell you want up there, um, and it's uh, it's got all kinds of like plugin support. Um, It supports like hundreds of different RPG systems, and most importantly for me, it plugs right into a, um, uh, I don't know, website, I guess is the best and most neutral way to put it, called 5e Tools. You can go to 5e.tools, and that is just basically like a database of all of the published information for the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons in a way that it definitely counts as piracy, um, <laughs> but uh-huh. is is in no way a replacement for the books for me because of the way it presents the information. It mm. acts more as a supplement to me, honestly. That's pretty good. Um, 
But yeah, I uh, I've been really enjoying Foundry so far, and I really like 5e tools and i highly recommend that if you want to get the it's not a subscription you buy foundry i think it's like 50 bucks and you have it forever um and because you're hosting it on your own stuff you don't have to worry about it ever shutting down um that's so nice. yeah highly recommend that for anyone who is interested in such a thing question i'm opening the <laughs> i'm opening the the florida questions <clears throat> I've always found the virtual tabletop programs to be less satisfying than I want them to be. I feel like they often sort of like try to get involved in the rules of your game in a way that I don't love. I have a one of those like, I don't know if they still do this, but Fantasy Grounds was another one like this that Mm -hmm. offered, I think you could get a lifetime subscription for like a hundred bucks or something. So I did that many years ago. Um, and I've tried to run a couple of games on that, but it, at the time at least, it had these things where, like, you would have, you'd make your map, and then people would move their little tokens around the map, and it would prevent you from casting spells if your token wasn't in the range of the thing that you are casting the spell on. Mm-hmm. And as a person who has DM'd a lot of games, I don't give a shit about that anymore. <laughs> Like, if I'm in charge and you're fighting some kobolds and you're like, I want to magic missile the shit out of them, I'm not going to be like, "Mm, well, actually, they're eight meters away and you can only move four meters on your turn because you're encumbered or whatever. Like, fucking just do it. You're a wizard. You got magic. Just do it. I hate when the system forces you to enforce that kind of stuff or like spell components. Who gives a shit? Wow, they've built that. They've built into the system now that spell components are fake uh, and don't <laughs> exist. You just need a spell focus, and you're good. Yeah. Yes, which is smart. But all of this stuff, arrows, how, counting how many arrows you have, I just don't think it matters. And I, it's weird to me that I feel like these kinds of platforms were all like, ah, oh, people don't like keeping track of arrows. We'll keep track of their arrows for them. When really. People don't like keeping track of arrows, so just don't, just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, what I like about Foundry is because it's, um, self-hosted, it's software running on my computer, I really can, like, get in there with it and go and be like, don't, don't worry about any of this. Yeah. You, I can, like, go in and create my own, like, spells and weapons and whatever, uh, nice. Like you, Ed, for one of the characters you created, um, none of our players listen. But also, this is one where we know you created this character. So, yes, uh, Judd's character, who is a plasmoid paladin, you gave him a sports bat. So I just went in and I found a picture that looked kind of like a sports bat, like maybe a cricket bat or a baseball bat or something in between. And yeah. I just like respect a flail so that it matched the stats that you gave it on the sheet, and it let me do all that without causing me any of the the problems that I've encountered when trying to like homebrew stuff with roll twenty, which has always felt yeah. really unintuitive to me. That's good, especially because yeah, that's fun. the thing about playing a real game with other players and not just on a computer is you do want to be able to customize it as much mm-hmm. as you want. Yeah, something that I 
think people don't get until they've played D&D a few times is that, like, the rules that are in the book for making your character are supposed to be a jumping off point and not the be all end all. Yeah. It's not like when you play a video game and it's like, well, here are my four options and I need to click one of them. Every time I make a character in anything, and I know this annoys everyone that runs games for me, including you, Jeff, but <laughs> every time I make a character for anything, I always send a message to the DM like, hi, I want to do this one thing that isn't in any rule book. Is that okay? Yeah. Because, like, I want to do a character that's that's unique and not something that they would have thought of before, yeah. you know? And some yeah, people are going to be like, I really want my character to be the Grinch. What should, spec should I use? And it's like, I guess I could be an elf? Like, you can figure it out if yeah. that's what yeah. somebody wants. Yeah, and 5th edition has gotten so flexible at this point that the, like, the heritage that you choose for your character is completely freeform like they've added a variant rule where doesn't matter what you pick if you pick a goblin you get like pick one stat to be a plus two and one stat to be a plus one done pick one of these traits dark vision doesn't have to sleep etc uh and like it just it really lets you be flexible with it in a way that i think is um very fun while also giving you the option to you know have a kind of easily slot inable set of rules to just you know roll 10 dice and you have a character without having to think about it yeah yeah for for the character that i made for judd in this game the he wanted to play a character that was on its face goofy but actually serious um, and so I ended up brewing my own version of the wild magic table, but for, um, divine, uh, magic users instead of arcane ones. So I based it off of the, um, joke in the Terry Pratchett book, Monstrous Regiment, where there's an insane god who keeps on handing down different contra- contradictory rules to follow. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, the fact that wild magic already exists in D&D, I just swapped yeah. out what, what they were with, with what they should be, and, yeah, worked just fine. Well, I, we haven't played it yet, maybe it won't work fine, well, but... yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing about Dungeons & Dragons that's really spectacular as a, like, as a story world and a game system all in one is, it has rules and lore and like structure about how magic works but there's enough flexibility because there's such a huge like landscape and universe and multiverse really that there's always going to be some exception or some piece of novel less explainable magic within that system and that's just it's perfect for this type of thing yeah and i like that it is built into the D&D rule set the idea that people can discover new magics and are doing it all the time, where you get, like, Mordenkainen's Invisible Library or Tensor's Floating Disc, and those are, like, living characters in the world. Well, depending on when you set the game, but, like, so it's not like, oh, all magic was codified a million years ago and here are the spells. Like, you could within the the like verisimilitude of the setting be like my character is a research magician and they are making up new spells and as long as your dm is fine with it that works that makes sense 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you don't have to know anything about the second Sundering or the Spell Plague to be able to, like, work within that type of stuff. You can just be like, I don't know, my guy lives in Baldur's Gate and he eats ham sandwiches every day and so he knows how to do ham magic. Yeah. Uh, anyway, D&D is the it, eternally the thing that is at least the background radiation of my survival in a uh, hostile world. So uh, yeah. it's nice to have a new a new way in. Um, Louisa, what have you been doing uh, to similarly sustain your life energies? <laughs> uh, yes, along those lines, exactly. Uh, this past week, I went out for a hike in a nearby nature preserve. I guess that's what it is. White clay. Disgusting, but brave. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's a trail uh, where you can park. It's only like a 10 minute drive from me, but you can park. Mm-hmm. And then you walk along the river, which is actually White Clay Creek. And then you oh, end man, up. You can't drive it? You gotta park? That sucks. What? Huh? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I was making it. You, you kept me. on saying you could park as if that was unusual for hikes. Like you have to park your car. I was trying to make a joke about that. Go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, it would be faster to drive the hike. <laughs> it would. Yes. I mean, yes. Uh, you walk along the edge of the creek, and then a few miles away, you can get to a old Quaker graveyard, which felt very appropriate for Halloween week. So that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see a bunch of graves from the end of Did- the uh, 18th century. Did you meet nice. any abolitionist ghosts? I don't think so. Mm-mm. I did lay down on the ticking tomb to see if I could hear it, and I couldn't hear it, unfortunately. Okay. Oh no, that means it's about to go off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a local... Uh, can you even call it a tourist attraction if it's barely anything and no one ever goes there? It's like a <laughs> local like folk folklore. Yeah. ghost story. <laughs> But there's the grave of a um, Revolutionary War soldier. He did not die in the Revolutionary War, so it's not even exciting in that way. He died, you know, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. But Cowardly of him. Yep. The, somewhere underground there is, um, they think there's water that drips onto stone in some underground cavern or something. Mm. But something about the acoustics. If you lie in the gravestone and put your ear to it, sometimes you can hear a ticking, so... But it, even worse, that's the entire uh, folklore myth. That's it. No one has made up any story about how he had a uh, pocket watch. Clockwork that, heart. Yeah, yeah, no one's made up any further <laughs> stuff about it, which is bullshit. You need that. Yeah. Yep. You want no, it to be like it. a pocket watch, and he swore it would never stop until uh, he had finished roaming the earth or something like that. Yeah, but think- that that has to pop up by like year 50 of this uh, grave being around or else it's too far then you're gonna be like well i know the first i mean they did talk about it for the first 50 years it can't be real yeah do you think we will eventually reach a point in human history where history has obscured itself so much that people will be confused about whether steampunk actually happened or not yeah i think i think that's already happened i think you could talk to some teens nowadays and they would think some of that stuff was real about exactly. the Victorian era. i'm saying if in you know 5,000 years if you were like this guy fought in the Revolutionary War and he had a clockwork arm that let him uh, like bat (laughs) cannonballs out of the air or whatever like uh, would people believe it maybe? Yeah they'd be like I've seen the documentary Wild Wild West I understand all of this. Yeah Yeah. exactly. 
Yeah, people would be like, uh, Abe Lincoln had gears in his hat that uh, fired a gun right back at John Wilkes Booth and they killed each other at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess people do believe that, like, you know, ancient Greek mysticism was real sometimes. Yeah, or Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah weird. The new Indiana Jones was all about what if Archimedes made a time machine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, was that who wrote about Atlantis? I don't remember who, but you know, someone in ancient uh, Socrates, Greece. I think was Aquaman. It, was <laughs> that? I'm mean, ignoring that part. Was <laughs> that an example of steampunk, but in the ancient world? Ooh, where they're like, you don't hmm. remember, but a hundred years ago, a crazy thing happened with this uh, civilization with advanced technology. Steampunk Plato, before Plato, it was Soc- Socrates's. Uh, student plato was the one who wrote about atlantis Mm. in between writing about how much he uh, really loved socrates (laughs) is that his thing yeah there was somebody who was fucking obsessed with socrates his main thing was using socrates as if he was a fictional character (laughs) in his like writing of arguments with people he didn't like that's perfect for a guy who invented ancient uh, steampunk yes of course he took a guy and was like no he was really a hero and uh, here's some fan fiction about him he, exactly. He also invented ancient cyberpunk with the allegory of the cave, which is just the oh Matrix pre-computers. That's true, although that was Socrates, I think. No, Plato's Plato. Republic. Oh. Was it? Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, you're right. I guess Socrates didn't write a lot of stuff down. Plato wrote it down and was like, Socrates totally said this stuff. I think Socrates was mostly the one who got extremely drunk and took his clothes off and wrestled people and then drank poison to die. I thought his thing was like turning stuff back on you in a very smug way yeah. where you'd be well, like, I think the ocean is this big. And he'd be like, that, mm, but is it? And then he'd but walk that's off. all we only know about that from Plato's dialogues oh where God. Socrates is a fictional character. So mm. is that really what Socrates did? No one really knows. All we know is that he was arrested for, quote, corrupting the youth of Greece and then killed himself. But what if he like, was just what if he was just smoking like selling them cigarettes teaching yeah, them how to what smoke if, mm-hmm. yeah what if he was just like standing outside the liquor store like for five bucks i'll get you a six pack <laughs> <laughs> a six pack of m4a of wine i guess yeah i guess <laughs> a six pack of flagons of ale <laughs> from, they have ale from, from egypt from the norman territory <laughs> i'm pretty sure they had ale not the norman <sighs> territories yet jeff egypt at that point yeah yeah i guess we weren't up in conquering the barbarians yet we yeah i'm uh greek (laughs) if there's i'm one of the barbarians okay all right if there's any group that i identify with it's the barbarians i think oh lord (sighs) that's i mean the fact that western europe was like the the barbarians of old is probably part of why there was a lot of like uh, we will look to ancient Rome who looked to ancient Greece for how the right and good and best way to have a civilization is to yeah. be like let's not let's obscure the fact that we were uh, mud farmers for a thousand years <laughs> while like Egypt and uh, the like Muslim empires were doing really well yeah, well there was all fun. of that like Grecian, well, not Grecian, there was all of that Roman uh, colonialism going on where for a long time in the Middle Ages, people would be like, 
claiming authority because they were descended from Roman leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think that that led to people being like, ah, well, everyone who's a leader of our society can trace their lineage back to these Roman, you know, local lords or whatever. So they must be the ones that know how to run things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. How often do you think about the Roman Empire, Matt? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I I came within like two credits of getting a classics degree in college, and I've got a ton of Roman Empire books, so a lot, actually. Mm. Which half is your favorite? Which half of the Roman Empire? Yeah, do we like the Byzantine half or the the like Catholic Western Europe half? I did like the Byzantine half. I really think uh, Justinian and Theodosia got a, a bad rap, historically speaking. Theodosia kicked ass. Yeah, I think and they'd then... both be pretty bad at rapping, considering how long ago they lived. <laughs> uh, epic rap know. battles in ancient Rome! <laughs> yeah, Theodosia probably would have kicked ass at rapping as well. She was great at everything. Do you know about her? You guys know the stories? I've heard the name, but I don't know anything about yeah, her. Yeah, I remember many details. She was like a commoner woman who started doing um sex shows in um uh what is the name of the city um Rome. no constantinople oh, there we go. <laughs> um and she would do shows where she would like put grain on her body and have geese eat it off uh-huh this is real. This is right. documented. This was her like version of like a strip tease was having geese eat grain off of her body. I think it was supposed to be a reference to uh Leda and the Swan. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, um and then Justinian who was like the young emperor of the Eastern Roman Empire, like went to one of these shows and fell in love with her and married her and then like, everyone was like, wow, he married this prostitute. That sucks. And everyone was talking shit about her behind her back. And then the whole empire kind of collapsed. And, like, there were all the, those Nike riots and stuff like that. And Justinian was like, this sucks. Everyone's going to try to kill me. I'm running away. And the- Theodosia was like, okay, get the fuck out then. I'll be in charge. Like, she she took over. That's great. That does oh, rock. So good. Yeah. She was apparently, like... By all accounts, she was one of the best emperors the Roman Empire ever had. <laughs> How do I even find any information about this person? <laughs> good luck. Uh, a, a good place to start is if you look up the Nike riots, because that is like the big historical event that happened during that, that time. Okay, cool. I went to uh, Theodosia Disambiguation page, and <laughs> gosh, there's so many people by this name, and so many of them are from parts of various historic roman empires yes <laughs> yeah the, the nike riots are basically uh when rome was like or when constantinople was having problems and they were like everyone gets super into sports instead and then people got so into sports that they started murdering each other because they right. like different teams yeah they just did it too hard <laughs> i love that yeah oh man uh-huh. anyway yeah that is not what this podcast is about. No. What is this podcast is about, about? Taking a trip into the woods to see some mm-hmm. old graves. It was very good. And then mm-hmm. on the way back, I did not see any bald eagles and I did not see any garnets in the creek, which is what the creek is famous for. So, mm-hmm. And you did not see a black cat cross your path? No, I didn't. 
But it's he nice. It's nice to go out in the woods, you know, sometimes. Three mag, three crows in a tree? What are the, how many cut crows is a bad thing? Three, yeah. One for three. a girl, two for a boy. Two for a boy, three, three for, for sorrow, sorrow, four for joy. Four for joy, yeah. What? And I don't remember it from there. Yeah, there's a there's a whole thing about the number of crows you see predicting what's going to happen in your life. Huh. Yep, it's a whole poem. You can look it up. There's like a bunch of variants on it. But anyway. Yeah. So that was good. Uh, I recommend everyone get some fresh air. If you're able, it really helps your brain. It's true. I really, I, I'm hoping I have time to take a walk this afternoon because the weather's been so nice. Yeah, take a hike, buddy. Yeah, I will. I will. Sorry, my voice just sounds that way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so what do we do on this show? Well, we look up news stories from the news algorithms that have been recommended to us so that we can talk about them. But we don't talk about anything that is important. Instead, we talk about things that we care about that are not important. Mm -hmm. For instance, I got an article that the headline is, Against All Odds. The Super Mario RPG re- remake retains the original's dirtiest joke. Ooh! Is it about finding Princess Peach's panties? Yes, I was wondering whether either of you would remember this dirty <laughs> joke. I did immediately when I saw this. Um, Doesn't it call part- the, like, Peach's question mark, question mark, question mark in the English version? Yes. Well, it's called Toadstool's question mark, question oh, mark, right, question mark, because that's peach, what she's yeah. called in that yeah. one. Um, apparently they did translate it to peaches in this one, but they left question mark, question mark, question mark in there. That's fun. I mean, she was, she was always peach in Japan. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until Mario 64 that they were like, ah, Princess Toadstool is her proper name, but everyone calls her peach. Yeah. It's like how King, King Bowser, no, King, King Koopa, Koopa is Bowser's title. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Tell us about uh, this, uh, this panties joke. So in um, Super Mario RPG, there's a part where you go into the castle and the princess has been kidnapped and you can like look around the castle and you can get into her bedroom. And if you go to her dresser and click on it, uh, it says you found toadstools, question mark, question mark, question mark. Mm-hmm. And like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why is this in here? You guys, you didn't even. Yeah. If you were. If you were going to do this anyway, why wouldn't you just say panties, you know? I feel like it did in the the Japanese version, but it they didn't wanted to censor it. No, in, it ja- in Japan, it was Toadstool's XXX instead. Oh, they even hornier. Then how do we know it's panties, is my question. We don't, but what else would it be? I mean, I guess it could be like a dildo or something. Yeah. And what's weird is, it's not like it's an item that's important to the game, so you could just say, you found her crown. Mm-hmm. There you go, that's all you need, right? Yeah, it's so weird. It doesn't make any goddamn sense why they would put it in here. Apparently it was per- P- Peach's XXX in the Japanese version, and when they translated it, wildly, the reason that they changed it is because they thought XXX was the way alcohol is labeled in cartoons in <laughs> yeah. America. Yeah. And so they thought kids would think that it was Princess's, Princess Peach's booze, which would be awesome. Yeah, that would rock. Um, but they didn't even take out the XXX for the obvious sexual reasons, just for the yeah. less obvious alcohol Her reasons. Her secret porn. <laughs> I mean, yeah. was it obvious in 1996? 
Yes, I think I Triple like X has been around since, yeah. since like the 60s. I feel mm-hmm. like it was to grown-ups, it's just because we were kids, we were like, this is probably something normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think it's pretty funny how the American localization team of at Nintendo was so worried about putting any references to alcohol in anything oh, yeah. that they translated. How they took away all, like, the Mario Kart champagne uh, toasts mm-hmm. and yep. stuff. Uh, yeah. root, root beer tapper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, American the fact that the fact that in Chrono Trigger yes. you have a soup eating contest <laughs> instead of a beer drinking contest with people. Yeah, you're eating the soup by uh, throwing back multiple mugs. Yeah, of hot mugs soup. of soup. <laughs> so weird. I didn't even realize that when I played it as a kid. I was like, huh, that's weird. Soup eating. Okay. Yeah. Can you Although- imagine? Can you imagine going somewhere, going to Oktoberfest, and then having a soup eating contest? <sighs> yes, I can imagine that, actually. <laughs> I mean, okay. The soup would have to be hot enough that it would be palatable, but not so hot that it would irrevocably destroy you. Yes, agreed. Yeah, I also think there's such a soup. There's such a trope about the hero, especially in Japanese media. The hero being just a little guy, but he's so strong and powerful, he just needs to eat a lot all the time. Like you see that Mm -hmm. for Link still nowadays. Goku, Link, Goku, yeah, Johnny One Piece. It made perfect sense that you're eating way more soup than other people, even though you're a little guy. Of course. Yes, that's fine. The fact that you would go to a fair and the contest everyone was having was how who could eat the most soup in a short amount of time. If you told I, me, if I, I have never been to Germany, if I went there for Oktoberfest and you told me, okay, we're going to walk into the beer garden. Now, keep in mind, there's going to be a soup eating contest and that's going to be the big <laughs> deal. I would completely believe you. Yeah, I guess that's true. I would love for there to be... This is slightly tangential, but the fact that we brought up Germany makes me think like, man, there's not really a specific European country that Chrono Trigger is supposed to be. Yeah, It's correct. just supposed to be like generically medieval fantasy Europe. Yeah, and yes. that's that's a fascinating setting to me. The like Japanese lens through which... European medieval fantasy is viewed where it's just like, I don't know, man, this is Europe, but like, not very, just like a little Europe. People still will wear like turbans and like harem pants and stuff. Yeah. it really shows how influenced by Disney they were, yes. though, because every mm. Disney movie is that as well. I was going to say, because a lot of it is like Arthurian legend kind of stuff, like a Ren Fair kind of. But then also, and I think this is the Disney influence, some of those like Austrian 18th century castles with all the millions of spires that look really cool. Because yeah. like that's just all one time period to Japan's idea of Europe. I, yeah, I like that. I think it also gets into the, like, uh, you know, the Byzantine Empire of it, like, Mm -hmm. since we brought it up anyway. (laughs) You know, much of what was the basis for pan-European culture was the Roman Empire, and half of that was extremely, like, Eastern European, Middle East, and, like, West Asian, like, influenced and located. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ah, anyway, fun. Chrono Trigger rocks. Yeah, what are we talking about? I cannot believe they've uh, never remade that game or like remastered it with better graphics. I know they I'm have really, to. I'm really glad they haven't though. <laughs> I, they will eventually, though. 
Um, I need to pause for one moment and step away. I'll be back in five minutes. I'm sorry, guys. Okay. okay. Let's talk a little bit more about Chrono Trigger. Yeah, it's a very good game. Uh, it first introduced me to the idea of multiple endings for a game that really oh, blew yeah. my mind at the time. Did you ever play the, the DS version of it? I had it. And I think I started, but I'd played the original so many times that everything was still, like, I remembered Mm. all of it, and it wasn't exciting, which is a shame. Yeah. I had, uh, when I replayed it, gone with that one, and I think it might be the definitive version of the game. Oh. Was there anything different about it? Uh, it retains all the original graphics and music, Mm. adds in the fully animated cutscenes from the PlayStation port, Oh, right. Um, And has a couple new quests that tie it in to the lore of Radical Dreamers and Chrono Cross a little more strongly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it has like a a handful of new endings as a result, but it doesn't have like any new playable characters or anything. Um, But still, uh, very, very cool. And I think that that I think that's actually the version that the like phone port was based on. But Oh, okay. I. Yeah. This bothers me a lot. Square does it all the time. I hate when they port, like, a Super Nintendo game, but all of the text is full resolution, like, oh, modern yeah. font. I hate that, that too. Bugs me so much. <laughs> is that an accessibility thing or just something they're doing to be easier on themselves? Because I prefer when it looks old school. I think it might be easier on them to have the text in the game be. Like a sep- like instead of just run the game in an emulator, yeah. it's easier for them to translate it and localize it if the text in the game is all its own like separate system outside of the the yeah. game engine or whatever. It does make sense, but really it is still wish... bothersome. Yeah, I really wish Chrono Cross had been more of a sequel. I know people like it in its own right, but I never got very far in that game. It was just too big and weird and different yeah the battle system's not as exciting it tries to do too much it's a shame because it was great to have so many playable characters in chrono cross that was one of its strengths but then they upped that to like 50 for chrono cross and that's too many yeah yeah i like thinking about all right i have like what seven guys available but i only can have three people on my team yeah and trying to figure out the combinations was always fun. Oh yeah, because but... they have those triple attacks. Mm-hmm. Which is such yeah, a cool and then idea. When you get to the point in the Do I need to give a spoiler warning for a game that turns thirty next year? I don't. I don't uh, think so. When Chrono dies, like halfway through the game, uh you have the option to have three side characters instead of having uh Chrono and two other people. Yeah. Uh, and then it really breaks wide open. Um, yeah, I love that. Did stuff. you know? Did you hear about the fact that they're adding those like triple attacks to Mario RPG? Oh, that's nice. Awesome. I didn't know about that. Yeah, there's a thing where you now when you you know how you have to hit the button to time when you attack to do like a super attack or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you do that enough times in a row, it charges up a meter, and then you can do a triple attack with whoever's in your party, and it's different depending on which three people you have, so that I'm rocks. Really excited about that. I really yeah. can't wait for this uh, 
this game to come out. I didn't yeah. beat the original. I got to a part where you're going up on a chandelier in the castle, and I don't think it's like the end end of the game, but it ended no, up being too. I I know it's you know it's at least halfway, but it's yeah. too it's too hard. It was too hard. It yeah, was too hard. Was hard. Yeah, I'm bad at video games. <laughs> I liked. I played. I think that. Super Mario RPG might be the first game that I ever 100%ed before that was even a thing where like mm. I would go online and look up where all of the secret things were and go and do the special side quests to get the super powerful weapons and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's crazy that that game existed, got released in the US, uh all of it. Like everything about it is such an unlikely miracle. Yeah. The fact that it's good is shocking. Yeah. It shouldn't be. Yeah, it's it's like a good game that could stand on its own if it wasn't tied to Super Mario universe. Yeah. Yeah, it's I feel like it kind of poisoned the well for me of when IP RPGs have come out. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted them to be good because this one was good, but they never are. Yeah. Yeah, cuz why would they have to be? <clears throat> yeah. Although, I don't know, some of those, like, Marvel um, Ultimate Alliance games were not terrible. Yeah, but they're not Mario RPG good. No, they aren't. That's true. What was the... I think Super Mario RPG came out after Mario 64, right? Mm. I know it was not... It was the same year. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously it was an SNES game, not a Nintendo 64 game. That's that's but. like part of the the miracle of like, huh, that's weird that that happened because like yeah. a lot of games that were coming out for the SNES around that time were like, we're going to not we're going to not bring them to America or whatever because yeah. we, we don't want to like undercut. We don't want to like take away the hype for the new system. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why it slipped in under the radar, because they were like, well, we need to put some stuff out for the Super Nintendo so we can maintain the lie that you that it's still going to be a viable console. Mm. <laughs> Nintendo loves to do that, don't they? They're like, no, mm-hmm. look, we're releasing new games for this system, which is clearly dead. Don't worry about it. <laughs> They're still coming yeah. out. No, no, the DS is still definitely a game system, <laughs> you guys. We're just shutting down the eStore, but you can still buy cartridges. It was... I think it was uh, smart of them to not instantly abandon the 3DS because of how wildly successful it was and how much of a big swing for the fences the Switch was. Yeah. yeah. And now... I'm genuinely impressed that for a solid, like, two years after the Switch launched, there were still 3DS games coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do get why people would be upset about the store closing, because it's yeah. like... You know, now there's digital exclusives that you just can't get anymore. And it's not like they're inaccessible, but it would be nice for the company who released the system to support it and it not have to be like a community effort. Yeah, I saw an announcement the other day about the Switch 2 that is theoretically going to be made. Um, And I guess the people who are developing it were saying that a big uh, part of it that they want to maintain is backwards compatibility. They're like, we now understand that people care so much about backwards compatibility. And it feels like y'all should have known that we cared about this way before now. 
This is Don't like they say that every time though. Every time they bring out a new generation, they're like, We know you care about backwards compatibility, which I never do. But they always say that. Yeah. Why I, don't you care about it? You should. Why? It's old. It's I, old and dead. Let's play but, some new games. When I have a new console and there's only one game out for it and I finish that game and I want to play something else, it's nice that there's already other games that I already own that I can play on it until the next thing comes out. Ugh. When I yeah, have a I, new console, I don't want to even see an old game. I want the latest, newest <laughs> stuff. You make I'm me finally sick, having. Yeah, exactly. It disgusts me to think about poor <laughs> resolution and uh, slow gameplay. I, um, I, I think that we are somewhat spoiled for this. Uh-huh. Like, the, mm-hmm. the reason we expect and want backwards compatibility is because of the PS2 and the Game Boy series. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, like, you can't play NES games on the Super NES, you can't play Super NES games on the N64, you can't play Genesis games on the Saturn, etc. I think what it goes to is something that doesn't happen anymore, which is then it's like, you're going to spend $100 on this Game Boy. You need to know for sure there are going to be games for it for a really long time, or $100 is too much to spend. Yeah. Yes. And now that people are buying brand new phones every year... Like, none of this matters anymore. You have to buy a Switch 2 and then none of your Switch games work anymore? I don't think it would be such a big deal. Yeah, well, it's... I don't... I think it would be for... Because of the push for digital. Like, Mm -hmm. if now I want to play the... If during the, like, (laughs) two years of transition between consoles being, like, dominant, I need to bring my Switch 2 around to play mario kart but there's not a smash bros out yet so i still have to bring the original switch if i want to play that that's a pain in the ass i just don't like i just don't like how much money is going goes into rebuying games you've already bought on a new thing yeah in order to make it like I don't, I'm not in the same boat as Louisa at all. Sometimes I just am like, you know what game kicked ass? Dark Wizard on the Sega CD, and I want to play that again now. And like, I don't want to pirate it, but sometimes it's like, yeah, you can totally buy, you know, a a PS2 game on your PS5. It'll just cost you 40 fucking dollars. A game that came out 30 years ago. Like, that's insane. (laughs) Yeah. I bought it already. I still have the CD of it. I should be allowed to play it, please. Yeah. Yeah, that gets frustrating with for physical media of like why don't it has a disk drive? Why don't you like it you can have a PlayStation emulator just run on the PS5 and it would be perfect because Sony knows like they have that. That's how the digital one yeah. is working. <laughs> Even if you just had it be that you put in the disc so that it could confirm, yes, you own this, you can have the eShop version of it for free, that would be fine. That would be good enough. <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway. <sighs> anyway. But this Mario RPG remake I'm really excited for is the point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, Oh, I... Ask me about my thing. Yeah, your news story, Jeff. What is it? Quickly. Uh, <laughs> so... Epic is going back to court over Fortnite. I'm calling yes. it Court Night. Um, they good. they already lost with Apple about 
summary of the whole mess for anyone who um, is normal and doesn't care, uh, me included. I had to summarize it for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, to play Fortnite, uh, you can do it for free on pretty much anything with a screen and an internet connection. Uh, To get little chicken hats or special hammers for your guy, you buy a virtual currency called V-Bucks. No, I don't know why it's called that. Um, if you buy the V-Bucks on your iPhone or uh, through the Google Play Store, Apple or Google takes a little bit of money for that uh, purchase. And Epic was like, no thank you, um, and implemented a system through an app update where your V-Buck purchase would go directly through them and not through the uh, the platform holder's store. And so uh, they got the app was pulled off of the stores until they uh, removed this feature. Um, And then it went to court and the court was like, "Mm, uh, no, actually, it's fine for Apple to do that. Um, But now they're like, well, Google's different. So we're going to do the same thing again. (laughs) It Um, does feel weird that their stance seems to be. Yes, you're hosting this game for us, but you don't deserve any money for it. It's strange yeah. because, like, they're not. If you if you download and install and play Fortnite on your iPhone or on your Android telephone, um, the only point at which you are using Apple or Google, like servers is to download the app to install right which itself does not cost money to do right so it's strange but but you're the google and uh apple and things like that are maintaining the firmware code base upon which your thing works like the hardware that people have in their hands that they are playing your game on and the operating systems and all of that stuff are needed for your game to work. And if you want your game to be available on those platforms, you have to acknowledge that that means paying some amount of money to the people who maintain those platforms so that they can maintain them, right? Huh. Yeah, I don't know. It's... If if it were like you have to pay to be on the store at all, I could see that argument. But mm-hmm. you don't have to pay to be on the store. And if someone's not paying any money to play Fortnite, uh Google and Apple are not collecting any money from that person. It's only at the point when you buy Epic Games uh fun money that you get like Apple or Google taking a cut and buying the fun money is not something like Google or Apple has to facilitate, but they're insisting that you're not allowed to circumvent them facilitating it. Hmm. Interesting. So it's it's all a very interesting problem about a thing that I don't care about very much because all of the uh, things involved are companies, and companies I think are uh, inherently uh, immoral. Yes, correct. Um, the profit motive uh, taken to the abstract of corporations is terrible. Um, yes. But it's it'll be interesting to see because I think that uh, Epic's case is stronger here. 
um, mm. because Google plays a lot dirtier um, and is, oh boy, um, I don't know, less legally adept than Apple. <laughs> um, Google has been like deleting evidence and stuff. Oh no. Um, yeah, but it's yeah, it's interesting. I feel like something about the Epic Games like people really rubbed me the wrong way. Part of it is that I've never really enjoyed the like battle royale game format that is their whole bread and butter. But even their their web store, the the Epic Games uh whatever the it Epic is. Epic Games Store, yeah. Yeah, the Steam competitor. It feels scummy to me in some way. I don't know that I can put my <laughs> finger on why. Yeah, I I think that makes sense. There is a I what I've never gotten is why people get so mad about the Epic Games Store. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. You're mad that this game's on the Epic Games Store, so don't buy it there. You're mad that it's an Epic Games Store exclusive? Play something else. Yeah, I mean, it sucks that I guess part of what makes me mad is the fact that, like, the console world is so fragmented where there's exclusives on different things and you timed releases and blah, 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 blah. And for a long time, PC games kind of stayed out of that. I guess Mac is splintered off, but no one really games on a Mac. But, like, for a long time, it was just like, yeah, we've all agreed the Steam store is where we just buy electronic versions of uh of games even if you bought it on like you know humble bundle or whatever you'd just get a code to unlock it in steam so you'd have it all in one place and it'd be really easy to keep track of it and then epic certainly wasn't the first i think ea was the first with their origin Origin. portal it's like fuck off man like i just want to be able to see a list of all the games that i could play at any given moment on my computer like, a couple of weeks ago, I got a notice that was like, hey, you haven't played The Sims in two years, and it's taking up four gigabytes of hard drive space. I was like, it's installed on my computer? Why? <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I, I've I struggled with this as well, because I, I, um, I don't like the Monopoly Steam has, um, mm. but I've tried front ends like Play Night, and they kind of suck. Yeah. Um. But I do own stuff through multiple. I own stuff through like Amazon Prime Gaming and and Origin and Epic Game Store, and I have games from like Humble Bundle that I don't have on Steam, and games through Itchio mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. But it's it's just I don't know. It's so much easier to just add a shortcut to Steam than it is to try and make it work on uh on on Play Night or some other third party front end. Yeah. That yeah. I usually just end up doing that, which I know is not uh, ideal. Yeah, it's weird how I feel like when I was a kid and I was learning about economics and stuff in school, I didn't totally understand. Like, they kind of, in school, they just teach you monopolies are bad. And then you're like, well, why does anyone ever support a monopoly then? But as an adult, when you're like, oh man, it's pretty sweet that I know the one place that I need to go to get this thing. I don't need to, like, comparison shop. I don't need to look at pricing on different things. I I can do all of the stuff I need to do in one trip instead of having to figure out, well, I need to buy this thing here and this thing there. That There is an appeal to monopolies there. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the issue is when it reaches the point of Monopoly, you don't want it to be in the privately held hands of a, like, uh, investor class. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I think monopolies are good. Let me make that clear, because I don't want our audience coming at me. I understand that mo- it's true that monopolies are bad, but I now also understand why people aren't universally against it, them immediately when they crop up. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. I've said this before, but it's like the idea, wouldn't it be amazing if everyone on Earth spoke just one language? Yeah. yeah. But at the same time... Not doing that is far more important. But it yeah, would be yeah. nice, wouldn't it? So, you know. Yeah, and nobody wants to learn friggin' Esperanto. <laughs> no. Oh, there's so much Polish in there. <laughs> That's the thing I love about <laughs> Esperanto. He really overestimated the uh, uh, impact the Polish language would have on uh, world <laughs> languages. Um, yeah, I think the, like... The thing about a monopoly is not that it's inconvenient to consumers immediately. It's just that it, uh, the capacity to have it be manipulated means it has to be legislated out of existence. That yes. you can't. The point of a monopoly is you can't not support it. Right. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a extremely communist way, the ideal situation for consumers is probably one where. There is a monopoly, but they are being prevented by governmental regulation from abusing that monopoly. Yeah, exactly. So the, uh, you know, if if Steam was a worker-owned collective and had a government yes. contract to sell uh, PC games exclusively, that's the yeah. like, that's the situation where you then get it to be like the best store it can be, and also prevent it from doing like bad practices because they're regulated yeah. but <sighs> we're never gonna figure this out nope no probably not uh, also probably the place that we need to figure it out is not the most pressing in- example of this is not uh pc gaming <laughs> yeah the, mo- the most pressing example is mobile gaming uh specifically the game <laughs> fortnite yeah. Um, and the uh, transaction of V-Bucks. Really, I hope that they just have to pay, that Epic Games has to pay enough fines that they're forced to make another Unreal Tournament. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's all I want. Why is it Fortnite? Mm-hmm. Why isn't it just Unreal Tournament? I want guts and fragging. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Jeff's asking the real hard-hitting questions out here. All right. Anyway, that's the. Did we, Louisa? Did you do an article? No, I'm waiting. I'm oh, do it. Things. Sorry, do it. Okay. Do it. Do it. This will be quick because it's basically nothing. But I got <laughs> from a Bon Appetit magazine which cornbread mix is best. Okay, this is something I have strong feelings about. Yeah. All right. So the the uh, uh, controversy they had to deal with while doing this taste test is some people prefer a southern style cornbread, which is more crumbly, mm. more corn. Uh, no sugar, usually, or barely any. Versus northern-style cornbread, which also has wheat flour in it, there's sugar, and it's more like a cake that is corn-flavored. Yes, that is my preferred version. I think I like both. I like that, I like the, that cakey kind. Yeah. yeah I, it's, they have different purposes. Yeah, that's true. I do like I, a southern-style one to have with a savory meal. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Um, mm, I like. I still like those cake. <laughs> yeah, I like a yeah, yeah. side of cupcake with my chili. <laughs> yeah, a little honey butter on there. Mm. Yeah, the when I was making uh, cornbread ice cream a few uh-huh. years ago, um, I made one that was like no no wheat flour in it. Um, hmm. and it was like as crumbly as possible and that worked really well for ice cream. Uh, so I think that's my preferred style. Okay. Yeah, I can see how that would be good. Well, because it's getting so much of the like moisture and sweetness from the, the cream that helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I find yeah. that the Southern style cornbread is often too dry for my taste. It, it can be kind of dry. Yeah. Dry that's why you have to cover it in gravy. See, yeah, now that's a good point. I I don't often have cornbread with a begravied meal, yeah. <laughs> but if I were going to, yes, I think that I can understand why that would be a good one to use. Yeah, it would be. Uh, so, on this list, the absolute worst is kind mm-hmm. of a surprise. Dirt. <laughs> Pretty much. This is <laughs> Bob's Red Mill, which is a Ooh, great wow. oh, yeah. which is a great company that is employee-owned. Which is kind of amazing in the modern corporate landscape. But um, apparently their stone, br- stone ground cornbread and muffin mix is made with whole wheat flour and whole grain cornmeal. Huh. So they say it's really hard and dry and it comes out brown. <laughs> it's just an yeah. unappealing cornbread in every possible way. That seems too much like health food to me. Well, yeah. that not that like Bob's thing though that company is kind of a like a borderline health food thing i i think yes but i think also they they're able to walk that like williams sonoma line where it's not like ooh crunchy hippie food it's like we took the very best organic stone ground blah 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 like yeah. that i think they do pretty well yeah i do i i do want to try it cuz i feel like i feel like it would end up being pretty good what i don't know it sounds like it would be good <laughs> i heard what brown and i just thought <laughs> as soon as any food that's brown is good so it just seems like maybe using the whole grain would be good <laughs> apparently not it never is here's the thing though here's the thing that they say because these are all box mixes right they say this um whole grains absorb a lot more liquid than ones that have had the germ removed i guess that's the difference and mm. this this uh, box mix tells you to add like a quarter cup of water or whatever and then bake your muffins when really you should be adding way more liquid and then letting it rest for a long time if it's a whole grain. Mm. Oh, I like so, that. Yeah. yeah, so you can probably make something good, but following those directions, apparently not. Why on earth would you use a mix to make cornbread when you can make much better cornbread with just cornmeal like, it's barely more work, and it's way better. Yeah, that's true, but sometimes you eh, want it real simplicity. fast. Because, yeah. for instance, kind of middle of the pack is Jiffy Corn Muffin Mix, which I love to yeah. buy. You get those tiny little boxes. Yeah, The golden yeah. brown standard. Yeah, you just throw in an egg and some milk, and that you get That was your wrestling name, wasn't muffins. it, Jeff? Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I had to keep a bronze tan for that it sucks. yeah you your <laughs> wrestling persona was um george hamilton <laughs> i don't know who that is anyway sorry <laughs> i didn't mean to derail that conversation um yes i've used jiffy before uh-huh. 
in in the distant past before I realized that it's barely more steps to just make cornbread from scratch. That's true, but is the thing. Jiffy has lard in it, which you don't get a lot on your own unless you keep lard around, which I do, so I might be an mm. outlier there. I'm not sure that's a thing I want in my cornbread. <laughs> Cowardly. This review points out, uh, let me see, because they made a good point about it. Here we go. Uh, lard is a traditional fat component of southern cornbread, and it has less trans fats than shortening and less saturated fat than butter. So but suck most on that. Cornbread, most cornbread recipes I've seen, the fat is from, like, oil. Yeah, that's not great. Why not lard? Yeah, yeah give me lard some of that, fine. that fresh yeah. uh, fresh pig fat. Yeah. Straight I'm out of so the pig. Many I have so many little uh, Ziploc bags of uh, pork fat in my freezer because what am I going to do? Throw it away when I roast yeah. the pork? No, absolutely As not. Emeril Lagasse says, pork fat rules. Yeah. <laughs> remember when that was one of his catchphrases? No. Fun. No. <laughs> I remember uh, Guy Fieri said, love, peace, and taco grease once and it sent me to hell. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> fun. Uh No. No, uh, Emerald's thing was he would kick it up a notch, bam, yeah. but pork yes. fat rules was the other one. Hmm, I don't remember is that, that. That is the the much derided uh, sequel to Cider House Rules. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Cider. Starring and cider John and Belushi. pork fat together. Mm, delicious. <laughs> I mean, that is good though. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even mention that we're recording this on Guy Fox Day. Are you guys doing any Guy Fox Day no! celebration? No, I made a joke I online. To the stupid thing to be letters that to be words that start with the letter V, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, go 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 get a dictionary and start highlighting the entire V section. I w- I already had SNES Snickers, and I was going to do another SN, <laughs> but now I got to oh, change it to V's. Yeah, well, oh, yes. we'll figure it out. Uh, no, I was gonna say, um, uh, shit. <laughs> no, I made a joke online that, uh, I didn't remember, remember, remember the 5th of November, because I was gonna buy sausages and potatoes for baked potatoes. Forgot. Totally forgot. Yep. I got baked potatoes and bacon to make for t- for dinner tonight, and I got logs for my fire pit, and I got cider and whiskey, and I'm all set, baby. Nice. I'm really excited. Uh, was so Guy should... Fox good, actually? Yeah, probably. No. <laughs> no, Guy Fox was not good. He was, the reason he wanted well, to blow up Parliament. the reason it was bad. Yes, you're right, go on. But, yes, the reason he wanted to blow up Parliament is because he felt like the Catholic Church didn't have enough power in England. Oh, uh, okay. So <laughs> That's he, not a good reason. He to wanted blow to up do Parliament. the right thing for the wrong reasons. Yes, exactly. <sighs> Damn it. Also, I, I do love the fact that apparently there was a whole society of people who believed this way and they were like, yeah, we just need someone to blow up Parliament. And Guy Fox, like, yeah, let's all go do it. And then he was the only one that did. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone else was like, when we said we wanted to blow up Parliament, we didn't, we weren't gonna actually do it, Guy Fox, you crazy nut bar. Yeah. I think there's no, there's no winners here because uh, what was going on in England... Catholics were being tortured the same way non-Catholics were being tortured in Spain at the time. So it's all yes. pretty fucked up, isn't it? Yeah, it's not good that, but to be like, the way to solve this is to for, to to put laws into place to make it that the state religion of yeah. England is Catholicism again. I don't think that's the solution, Guy Fox. I mean, yeah, true. 
the solution would be uh definitely involve blowing up parliament but it would yeah. not involve entrenching other old european yes. authorities correct we uh like the causes but no we like the effects but the causes the causes are very bad yeah yeah uh, that's so a shame I, should... I thought maybe he was more like a unabomber type figure where i'd read his manifesto and be like yeah this makes a lot of sense uh, but again the unabomber you are like 80% on board, and then he's like, and I'm a hardcore libertarian who believes that children should be allowed to marry people, and yeah. you're like, oh no. Yeah. Oh, Ted, it no! It, that other 80%, though, is like, well, global warming is gonna kill us, so we have to blow up the government. But, like, there's no yeah. part of Guy Fox besides blow up the government that I'd probably agree with. <laughs> this is my whole problem. I feel like, I mean... We we explicitly try to avoid talking about this kind of stuff on the show, so I won't go too deep into it. But I feel like a lot of times when I hear very angry right-wing idiots being like, the government has too much power and control over people's lives, and it shouldn't be taking people's money just to fund forever wars that are over oil prices. I'm like, yeah, I agree with you, man. <laughs> Yeah. I love everything you just said. And then you're like, so we should give kids guns to take to school because guns are more important than children's lives. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Why you gotta go there? Yeah. <sighs> Belabored anyway, sigh. Before we close this loop, I should tell you that the winner was Whole Foods Market's mm -hmm. 365 Cornbread and Muffin Mix. So... If you're looking for those 365, huh. I've not tried the cornbread and muffin mix, but those 365 uh, mixes at Whole Foods are pretty good. Yeah, they are pretty good, and I hate it because I don't like to shop at Whole Foods. Yeah, too expensive. They also have really good butchery stuff at yeah, Whole do. Foods. Yeah, they got good pork belly. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. I like their takeout lunches, unfortunately. Mm. But there's no Whole Foods is near me, so. I'm disappointed they got wise to the salad bar stuff because they used to have a seafood salad and you could just stand there with your tongs and mostly pick out shrimp if you wanted, which is a I'm fucking great deal. I'm certain you've talked about this <laughs> yeah. obsolete life hack before. Yeah, on because I'm so disappointed you can't do that anymore. <laughs> Ob obsolete life it hacks are uh, Louisa's <laughs> driving force in life. Yeah, that's kind of your brand. Yeah, buy some Hershey's gold bars. <laughs> pick all the shrimps shrimp out of them <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. if you if you want to avoid paying your radio license you just need to run a cable into your weather vane yeah. or whatever buy your own antenna yeah i'm really mad that uh whole foods you you think oh i'll go there and i'll get a couple cheese danishes won't that be nice i'll have one today i'll have one for breakfast tomorrow what a nice little treat mm -hmm. but and then it's you like... eat all of them on the drive home and you're like oh <laughs> no. my god i ate 11 <laughs> danishes how did i do this Ugh. but so you're buying two of them and then the total is like seven dollars and you're like fuck fuck i bought yeah fifty dollars worth of groceries in this grocery store and it's just a couple treats that are gonna last me two days Ugh. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I did at Costco when I went. Like, yeah. oh no, I accidentally bought mostly snacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I just recently re-upped my BJ's membership, and I just feel like I I need to continually remind myself to a not buy you know dishwashing soap or paper towels anywhere else. Yeah. 
and also be not only buy buckets full of tiny brownies when I go to BJ's. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <sighs> it's God. it's weird because economically, for my budget, it is the right choice for me to have a BJ's membership. And I understand that. I've crunched the numbers and it does make sense. However, it feels bad that it means that I'm living in a constant state of tension that I have to do two different things that are both against my instincts all the time. Yeah. Costco sells a big bag of potato chips that is um, barbecue chips, salt and vinegar mm-hmm. chips, and all dressed chips all thrown together in a bag and mixed Ew. up. And it's goddamn delicious. <laughs> I bet. That sounds horrible. No, those are the three best flavors of chips, Matt. Mm, I mean, I don't even Hold disagree on. with you, Wait. but I want to know before I put it in my mouth what the chip is going to taste like. Isn't barbecue the midpoint between vinegar and tomato ketchup? No, barbecue is just like you finished ketchup. You finished making the sauce that ketchup is the starter of. Yeah, barbecue is like good ketchup. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is just a, a bag of barbecue chips would solve these issues, right? Mm. I mean, all dressed is a little different. It's got like a little sweetness to it, and it's a little more vinegary than most barbecue sauces. Yeah. Oh man! Then... You know, I thought literally an hour ago that there's no way we were gonna fill <laughs> this entire episode. Yeah, we should probably stop yeah. talking now. Of course, yes. <laughs> anyway, thanks everyone for listening to the show. If you liked it, please rate and review us on your <clears throat> podcatcher of choice, and please tell your friends about the show so we can continue to grow. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at HackTheNetPod, or you can join our Discord and then you can talk to us directly. Uh, you just need to message one of us on social media. I'm on Blue Sky at Matt Heron, and uh, join our Discord. You can talk to us. Uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd or on Steam or on Instagram. Jeff JK on Steam and Instagram. I think I am Jeff Kowalski on Letterboxd. No, I'm Jeff JK on Letterboxd as well. Mm. Nice. Jeff JK on Letterboxd, Instagram, or Steam. Those are pretty much the social medias that I still use. So go follow me there. Really built up your brand. Uh, you can talk to me on Mastodon at Louisa at Mastodon.xyz. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Please come back next week. Don't forget to vote this week if you're able. And uh, we will talk to you next time. But in the meantime, don't forget to keep your pockets on Shrek. Nary read a comment. I'm the best around. Probably read Nary a comment. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's <clears> dumb <throat> either way. Yeah, it's all stupid.